Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. That is exactly what I needed to hear. Thank God someone here knows what they're talking about. That's us. That's right. Gotta love this American ride. You need to take the time and get the full picture. I love the ladies. I mean, they rev my engine, but they don't belong in the newsroom. It is Anchor Man, not Anchor Lady. Goodness sake, kid. Keep your voice down. Your father's listening to the radio. I'm not This is the Annie Fry Show. And welcome back to the show. We're going to be joined here in a moment by DeRoy Murdoch. I'm looking forward to it. And if you want to reach the show, you can. It's very easy. Hop on YouTube, which is good because we have the YouTube live chat pull up. Do you find yourself removing your speech filter the older you get? I think it's very good. Um, I say yes for me, absolutely. And if you want to participate in that, it would be good to get in on the poll. If you want to find me guest hosting here for Andy Fry, Ryan Recker Radio on Facebook would be a great way to do that. Joining us now, a nationally syndicated columnist, a member of Project 21, and a Fox News contributor, DeRoy Murdoch. Thank you for coming on to 97.1 FM Talk. Uh, great. Happy New Year to be with you and your listeners. Happy New Year to you as well. Uh, so Harvard University's president, Claudine Gay resigning, and it's such an interesting controversy. She wasn't on the job all that long to begin with. There were other red flags that were already raised leading into this, but then it was her testimony that many looked at as anti-Semitic and allowing anti-Semitism on the campus of Harvard, and on top of that, what really takes her down is plagiarism. So mm-hmm. I wanted to um, discuss this. What's the big deal about plagiarism anyway? Because that's what some of the pundits are basically saying. That's astonishing because uh, and anybody who's been to college and maybe even high school or maybe even junior high understands that when you write an academic paper, term paper, certainly it's something as big as a dissertation or even a book, uh, it's perfectly okay to quote other people, other scholars, other uh, previous research, whatever it is, speeches, articles, but you always have to put quotation marks around whatever you use and, and then comma said Sam Jones, said Sarah Smith, said George Washington, said Abraham Lincoln, said uh, George S. Patton, whatever it might be. Uh, and uh, as long as you do that, that's fine. That's what, what to me is so baffling about this is how easy it is to avoid charges of plagiarism. You know, before, when I was in high school, I used to think, 
plagiarism meant if that any time you wrote a paper or anything, every thought in it had to be original, every concept in it had to be something nobody ever had seen before, like like splitting the atom back in 1944. That's not the case. You can write an op-ed, pa- uh, rather a term paper or a dissertation, or whatever, where you quote a bunch of different scholars and at the end say, you know, I agree with these people, I disagree with these other people. And basically you can do copy, paste, as long as you put quotation marks, comma, said so-and-so. That's it. It's that easy. So nobody was expecting Claudine Gay to come up with brand new concepts nobody ever seen and develop her own uh, individual uh, novel, uh, never before seen theory or conclusion or, or um, um, school of thought. All she had to do is put quotation marks around what she what she copied and pasted or paraphrased, and then say, you know, according to so and so or said such and such or as we read in such and such a book, it was that easy. And she couldn't do this. And and that basic lesson that we learn as as college freshmen, even as high school students, um, she violated not once or twice or three times because she was busy or you know hit send before she had a chance to, to do proofreading. She did this 50 different times. And you know if you're a college freshman, that gets you in huge trouble. When you're president of Harvard University, we're not talking about some little you know small state school or, or technical college or whatever. This is Harvard University, and she's the president, and she does this 50 times. She absolutely deserved to get booted, and she should be ashamed of herself. And if they'd kept her on, I basically would say to everyone at Harvard University, go ahead, copy, paste, hand in, you know, uh, stolen uh, people's stolen thoughts, and that's okay. Uh, if they kept her around, that's basically the message I would have sent to everyone at Harvard and, frankly, everybody else in higher education. Well, let's talk about the message being sent, because some of the defense from her and the people around her is that you're essentially weaponizing plagiarism, which is racially motivated. You're doing this because there's some sort of, you're calling me out because there's some sort of racial motivation for it. Um, When we look at that, how dangerous is it to go down that road and to try to, I guess, double down on your wrong actions to say that, no, it's actually you that needs to uh, evaluate your position? Yeah, there's nothing racist about this. I mean, she got in trouble for a couple of things. One is plagiarism, of course, and the other is her testimony on Capitol Hill regarding anti-Semitism on college campuses. She uh, testified before a House committee, uh, and, and Congresswoman Elise Stefanik of upstate New York asked her, as well as the presidents of MIT and, and University of Pennsylvania, uh, does it violate your campus speech codes for somebody to run around and say, hey, we should uh, commit genocide against the Jews? And rather than say, yeah, that's awful, you can't say that, uh, which is, hey, let's kill the Jews on campus and everywhere else, uh, they hemmed and hawed and they wrung their hands and, well, it depends on the context and, you know, what did the person mean or will this be uh, action or just words? If the question had been, uh, is it a, a violation of a campus speech code to say, let's round up all the blacks and, and lynch them? The answer would have been, of course, that's terrible. You can't say that. And that's a hate crime and we'll throw you off campus the second you say such a thing. But you mentioned Jews and all of a sudden, well, they're not so sure and it depends and who knows what the context is. And I mean, the, the, the inability of these uh, three college um, presidents to answer that question clearly just was utterly appalling. And that's the first thing that got Claudine Gay in trouble. It also cost the job of Liz McGill, the president of of MIT, or forgive me, of University of Pennsylvania. And guess what? She's white. So this has nothing to do with race. This has to do with being soft on genocide. And also, as we said earlier, engaging in rampant uh, plagiarism on the part of uh, Claudine Gay. Right. Can I play a clip from CNN from you? This is commentator Matt Egan, and I wanted to get your reaction to it because I'm so interested in hearing the defenses of her right now. Uh, mm-hmm. This is a 
about uh, 30 seconds. We should note that um, Claudine Gay has not been accused of stealing anyone's ideas in any of her writings. Uh, she's been accused of sort of a, more like uh, copying uh, other people's writings without attribution. So it's been more sloppy ap- attribution than stealing anyone's Copy. ideas. Judge, what is the definition of plagiarism? <laughs> I, I have to close my mouth before I can answer that, Dana. Plagiarism is actually that. It's the taking of other people's ideas and words. All right. So the first part you heard CNN's Matt Egan. And then the second part was Fox reacting to it with uh, Judge Janine. So mm-hmm. let's look at that. So basically, the argument to try to defend Claudine Gay is that there was no ill intention. Oh, she just either forgot to do it or she wasn't trying to claim it as her own. But does that even matter in a case like this? Well, look, it's like saying, well, you know, she didn't commit arson. She just covered the front porch with gasoline and threw a match on it. Uh, (laughs) You know, she didn't kill anybody. She just put a a knife in his heart and stopped beating. I mean, this is the definition of plagiarism is copying people's words and not attributing them, period. So, yeah, that's plagiarism. She did what exactly is the definition of that word. You're not allowed to do that in academia or anywhere else. And if you do, you get in trouble. And again, if it happened once or twice, okay, she's busy. Maybe it's four in the morning and she's turning in a paper and she's exhausted and forgot to do some proof check, uh, proofreading, fine, you let it slide if it's once or twice. But when it's 50 times, that is a, a pattern of academic malpractice. And to have uh, not just uh, some freshman or sophomore do this, but the president of Harvard University do this is completely, totally, utterly unacceptable. Um, I will add one interesting note is what, what impact this might have on the uh, presidential election. Um, this creates a vacancy uh, at a very prestigious place. So one of the questions is, uh, if Joe Biden wants to get himself in a better position, what does he do with Kamala Harris? I tell you what he does is try to get her to be president of Harvard University. She then has a very uh, prestigious uh, face-saving exit from the White House, and somebody else can step into the presidency, and then he quietly can leave without having the Kamala problem. I don't know if that'll take place, but boy, if it did, wouldn't that be fascinating? Oh, boy, that's quite the carrot to dangle in front of her. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, that's a fascinating idea. Uh, you know, and there are some other instances, not just on universities, but journalists get caught with this, too. Sometimes they will steal other people's work and even at high levels at major networks. And mm-hmm. when we find these things happening, we normally call them out for what it is. So what do you think a case like this, when it comes to blatant plagiarism on a university campus, could have across other job fields? Do you think that people are just going to be on higher alert for stolen work in hopes to perhaps make sure we stop uh, this practice? Uh, I think people are going to be a lot more careful about this as they should be. Um, I know I'm very careful in my articles. If I don't say blah, 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 said, you know, according to Newsweek or according to the L.A. Times or whatever, uh, I'll at least link to it. And it's very important. I think links in art in articles are kind of the Internet equivalent of, of footnotes. So it's very important. I always tell editors, don't take links out of my articles. Leave them in. Or you're basically putting me in a situation of plagiarism, which I do not want to be in. And that's not good for me or any of my publications. So but I think people will be more careful about this. Some people may go may start going back and looking at, at the work of, uh, of particularly controversial uh, academic and other leaders see if they engaged in, in plagiarism. And uh, this, as you say, has gotten other people in trouble. Doris Kearns Goodwin had some uh, uh, quotations in some of her books or articles that weren't attributed. She, I think, got knocked off air. I think she basically they gave her like a hiatus and she was able to go back to CNN or MSNBC, but she got in trouble for that. Um, 
And then you've got uh, another uh, author. He wrote uh, Band of Brothers. I'm getting a blank right now, unfortunately, on his name, but a uh, very well-regarded uh, author who wrote a lot about World War II. And unfortunately, towards the end of his life, there were some article, uh, some uh, comments that were not attributed. He said that his research uh, students, his uh, uh, research uh, students doing research with him, I guess, forgot to do that. But you know, that was still his responsibility, and he had to apologize for that. Unfortunately, he died not long afterwards. That left him with a bit of a tarnished reputation, which is too bad because he had been so well regarded before that. You know what the sad thing, and one of the sad things. Stephen Ambrose, named Stephen Ambrose, it finally came to me. I oh. met Stephen Ambrose, was talking about, who's a magnificent writer, and I love his work and recommend Band of Brothers and many others. But, but towards the end of his life, that popped up and, and took a bit of the shine off his reputation, which is too bad. Another thing that I think people are recognizing is just how much money these university presidents are making, and she gets to keep all of it. So, what was it, $900,000 right. she gets to walk away um, from? I think it's eight hundred ninety thousand, and she keeps her professorship, so they're not kicking her off campus. She's going to, uh, you know, she keeps the same amount of money, and she'll have less responsibilities. So, in a certain sense, she'll have a lot more free time. So, this may oh, be, uh, you know, a, a pure. It's not a before. punishment. <laughs> it's not a, not a punishment, punishment at all. Yeah, it's a small gain, really. <laughs> I know. Okay, if people wanted to read your work and find you online, where can they go? Uh, well, Google me, and you'll see my stuff at uh, Daily Caller at American Spectator, at Newsmax, um, a contributing editor with National Review online. So go to nationalreview.com. You'll see articles of mine there going back to about the year 2000. So probably about 23, 24 years worth of uh, op-eds on almost every controversial topic that's popped up between the year 2000 and today online. And you know, my stuff goes all the way back to 19, uh, all the way back to 1979, if you can check the archives of uh, Paul Virgin High School. I've been writing about, I've been doing this for about uh, 45 years now. Believe it or not. The high school records. <laughs> yeah, writing the same stuff over the... and over. And unfortunately, nobody ever listens and nobody ever learns. <laughs> I know. What was the popular topics when you were in high school? What was what was your big article? Well, back then, um, you know, I obviously wrote about stuff on campus, like, you know, we need more vending machines. But I wrote about national stuff. I wrote about the SALT II Treaty. I wrote articles about why Ronald Reagan needed to replace Jimmy Carter. Uh, I wrote about um, uh, busing, mandatory integration, and uh, all kinds of stuff. And I did some music reviews and movie reviews and stuff like that, too. Now, the high school kids write articles about the use of the word Riz, and it's like, that's their article. It's like, <laughs> okay, here's go. what's in the lexicon. You're in there yeah. talking about foreign policy and in, in domestic policy as a high school student. We've come a long way. I got to say, uh, the standards may have been lowered a little bit over the years. How, how far from the caves we've crawled. <laughs> <laughs> uh, DeRoy Murdoch, thank you so much for joining us. A member of Project 21, you can find his work online, Daily Caller, Fox News contributor, nationally syndicated columnist. Thank you for coming on to St. Louis and 97.1 FM Talk. And I will be on Fox News Channel today about 3.30 on, on Fox News Channel and Fox Business about uh, 4.45, 4.30. So you can see me twice on Fox today. Real quick, I'm curious how that works in the background. How early do you have to report to be on camera for a national hit like that? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, you know, it's usually get it's good to get there for makeup and whatnot. You know, 15 minutes earlier. Uh, I once un unfortunately took the hopped on the wrong subway train and went in the wrong direction, and I actually sat down in the chair as. Uh, uh, Ashley Webster saying, now here's DeRoy Murdoch just as my butt hits the chair. So it's, it's been, in worst case scenario, it can be within about two seconds of going on camera. So you're Robin that, Williams but... and uh, Good Morning Vietnam. <laughs> yeah, it's happened a couple of times. I, I prefer to have more uh, you know, lead time, but that's happened a couple of times. Well, I, you know, I was under the impression you had to be there like two hours early or something, but maybe no, they only do no. that for the lowly guests, not the big names like you. 
Well, I think, yeah, if, if people have not been on TV much, they probably want to give you time to you know, calm down and lower your blood pressure. But uh, those of us do this a lot. We can, we can stroll in a couple minutes before and things, will, it could be things usually don't fall sure. apart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. DeRoy Murdoch, uh, again, we'll look for your appearances on Fox today. Thank you for coming on to St. Louis here. You bet. Thanks, and thanks for having me on. And Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. I'm Ryan Recker filling in for Annie Fry. Great show so far today. I believe Annie's going to be back uh, tomorrow. And when we come back, there is this one project in Belleville with them wanting to put a solar farm on cemetery grounds. A little controversial in the area. Plus, uh, speaking of moving, Sean Hannity says goodbye, New York. Hello, Florida. We're going to discuss that as well. You're listening to 97.1 FM Talk. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back. I'm Ryan Recker. If you want to find me online, Ryan Recker Radio would be good to spend some time there together. Uh, a couple of things I wanted to bring up. I had one of those moments where my heart melted during the time in between the segments. Can I tell you what happened, Brad? I don't know if you'll be able to um, relate to this because you don't have kids. But I'll tell you, there's okay. That look on your face, you're like, oh, not this again. This no, no, no kid no. talk. Oh, but my uh, my daughter was working on a bracelet for me. Not that I wear jewelry, I never do. But while I was doing the show, she came down to give it to me, and my door was closed because I was doing the show. She slipped it under the door oh. and left. <laughs> so when I got up to go during the break to get some you know, hot water and go to the bathroom. I saw it laying on the floor and my little heart melted. Look at this brace. I have it up on the video camera now. And I felt like, you know, all those like movies where dad's working and he's like, Hey kid, get away from me. I felt like one of those dads, like, cause I didn't even know what happened. So I saw it there and my heart melted. And I said, Oh, she made this and all she wanted to do was give it to me. And it would have been a great little moment. And here I was ignoring her. (laughs) Ignore uh, and, <laughs> interviewing nationally syndicated columnist DeRoy Murdoch. I know, and here it is. Oh, look how she's she, there's little hearts on there. There's little hearts. 
Art. For those of you that <laughs> can't see it on the stream, it's got beads. It's a bead bracelet. Yeah. And I have it up on the screen right and now. And there's pinks and purples and greens. Oh yeah. She did this all herself, other than my wife who tied it for her. You know the little elastic string part that it's How on. How old is she? Three. She, oh man. Yeah. So, I, again, I felt like all those movies where, oh look, dad's not home again. He's busy working. He's like talking on the phone, business talk, and here I am in the background, just sad. I was one of those moments where I felt completely uh, like uh, I just need to quit what I'm doing and just like support her bead making efforts. Well, make sure you go on the next big break and give her a hug and say thank you. That's your that's your assignment. No. Well, this happened at the top of the hour. So okay. when we got out of the one o'clock hour, I saw it. And I went up there and I gave her a big hug and kiss and I came back down. But with DeRoy in the line, uh, I wanted to bring this up to you here now. I didn't want to bring it up while he was <laughs> yeah. waiting. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and the other thing you brought up was someone brought in some sheet cake out there. Is that yes. right? Yeah, the Gelman team said thank you for partnering with us. And they brought us in two big sheet cakes. For those of you who don't know, that's one of the perks of being on radio is free food. You'll walk out. We've got a little kitchenette area here at the studio. And you'll walk out there and you never know what's going to be out there. Sometimes it's uh, – what are those uh, – uh, uh, biscuits that have like the stuffing and you like uh, it's like a biscuit but inside it's got the gravy the sausage gravy or you can get bacon oh the colchis or something or yeah kolaches yeah. yeah oh man there's just all sorts of good food here so you gotta be really careful otherwise you'll put on a ton of weight so what are you trying to tell me I'm trying to say I put on that a bunch I, of weight no I'm trying to say I don't always eat everything that's out there because you were surprised I didn't grab any cake you know my father-in-law did that to me on Christmas he pulled, the, so we were sitting around the table and we're eating our meal. And he goes, Hey, uh, so Ryan, you put on about 15 pounds? He pulled that <laughs> line on me in you, front of the family. <laughs> your father in law or your father? My father in law. <laughs> it looks like you put on about 15 pounds. You, you put on some weight. So he, <laughs> how do you think he would vote in today's YouTube live chat poll? Has oh, he he's removed- been there for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> He doesn't hold back. Um, So, (laughs) and uh, this is one of those moments where it was a moment where you kind of hear the silverware hit the plates, the clinking, clink, clink. And they all look at, Dad, Dad, you can't say that. You know, my wife and, uh, you know, they were all there watching this. And it was just so funny. But I thought that was great. Uh, So (laughs) then I had to basically, you know, it came up later in the night. I can't remember what the reference point was. But I said, oh, is that is that like when you asked me what's up with my face? You know, she's like, I can see it in your face. You look like you put on about 15 pounds. But no, I'm not over here eating the Gelman team sheet cake. <laughs> Man. Just living my life. It's Thanksgiving and Christmas. What do you expect? So, Ryan, I don't know if you know this about me, but I used to weigh about 330 pounds. And Whoa, dude, I didn't know that. Yeah, I lost a bunch of weight. But it's it's always out of the mouth of like older people or really young people that like you get the unfiltered truth. So my story like this is is my niece, she's 20 now, which is wild, but she was probably two or three years old. And I was holding her and she was laying on my belly while I was sitting on the recliner. And she pats me on the belly and she goes, Uncle Brad, why is your belly so big? And then oh, yeah. like, how do you answer that question? And you go, I like pizza, <laughs> you know? That's right, exactly. I know 100% what you mean. Um, So now, given I wasn't, you know, 300 plus or anything like that, but when I was doing the late night show over on KMOX, one time, and this is during the pandemic, working from home, my son came up to me and he pat my belly and he made a song for me. 
And the song was, you have a big fat belly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I recorded this song and there was a listener, Doug, who actually put some music behind it. And we created the song. You have a big fat belly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was kind of a theme song we used on the show for a long time. I can't find that song anymore. So if Doug is listening, I'm going to have to reach out to him again and see if he still has a copy of it. It was one of those ongoing bits that we had on the late night show. It was fantastic. It really was. And (laughs) you set the segment up. I say my son made a song called I Love Daddy. And then you just let the thing go. And there it was. You got a big fat belly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he would have been five at the time, I think. Yeah, five. So good for him. Um, but you, you mentioned the sugar thing with the cake or whatever. You know what happened to me the other day? Cause I don't drink or I don't eat a lot of like sugar. I don't drink sodas. I normally, all I have normally is water or coffee. Those are like the two yeah. different things I have. And once you cut out sodas and all the unnecessary sugar you're drinking with them or the people that drink the monster energy drinks, Ooh. I don't know how their body can keep up with that stuff. Um, there was one night I was with my buddies playing Dungeons and Dragons. Attaboy. Now, we were here we go. getting really wild here because I had three sodas, big bottles of soda, and I'm not used to drinking it. The next morning, there was so much sugar in these specialty sodas that I felt hungover <laughs> all morning long. <laughs> I've, the I've, sugar made me feel hungover from I've, Dungeons and Dragons. I've done Is that there anything before. more nerdy than that? No, I'm hey, Ryan, it's not nerdy. We're cool. I used to play it too. Used to. Oh, the so only, now you're cool. The only reason I don't play it now is that I don't I don't have a group to play it with. Like it's I know. it's a lot of fun, but you need to find yourself a dungeon master who's really good to make the game enjoyable. And it just oh, takes yeah. a, a lot more time than an adult has to set it up to play. I know. And you know how hard it is to get everyone's schedules aligned. That's the other and- side. All you need is one thing to go awry and you can't get together. And that's what happened. You know, we used to shoot for every other week and we started this during the pandemic because we did it virtually. Like this oh, is my awesome. buddy who wanted to be a dungeon master. And he's like, I want to learn how to do this. So kind of let's start it. Cause it'll give us something to do now that we're socially distancing. And I was doing it from Missouri until I moved back here. And then we started doing it in person and it's been so much fun. I got to tell you, I just looked on really the private it. chat. Leah says we're nerds. <laughs> of course, nerds. Leah, we are not nerds. Ryan, you I don't, don't understand. We're I don't cool. know if uh, you're into computer gaming or not, but if you like Dungeons and Dragons, Baldur's Gate Three came out for the PC, and it allows you to just get together, create a character, and then you and your buddies can get together and play through the storyline, and then the computer acts as the the DM, and it's oh. really good. Can I say, here's the problem I run into. Uh, all my friends are super into it. They all play the games. They all watch different movies. The They're super into the books, everything, Dungeons and Dragons, like wizardry stuff, mm-hmm. or the old, um, you know, dragons flying around, and uh, like the Lord of the Rings stuff. They're all super into it. I'm just not. And I am the biggest slacker because they know the rule books in and out. They listen to the podcasts, the big podcast, which is, oh, I forgot what it's called, but they basically go through a campaign and it's like one of the biggest crowdsource projects they ever had. Um, and they all know all the tricks. And I, sometimes we'll have to say, you'll have to remind me how to do that. I don't remember how to do that. And they all know everything. So basically, if there was like a, if this was a reality show, I'd be the first one kicked out. Oh. Uh, And they allow me to play essentially without getting mad at me for not knowing as much as they do. So 
Um, I, I'm not at the same level as them. I don't think I'd be popping on a video game anytime soon. I'm a casual <laughs> player that does it socially for fun and just enjoys the storytelling that goes on during it. That's what I like about it. It's the social aspect and the storytelling. Right. Um, wow, that's not where I thought we would go <laughs> in this no segment. Can we, let's do this one Belleville story real quick. The city council is moving forward on a plan to buy the cemetery land from well i guess like they want to take it over i don't know if buying's the right word for it so in belleville apparently there's a cemetery that's been basically vacant for the past decade the people that took over this cemetery had some financial issues they're in jail for some other issues and the city has been taking care of it they say to the tune of about a hundred thousand dollars a year maintaining this plot and there's a lot of acreage that's not being used and they said well if we were to lease out some of this land and put a solar farm Instead of losing $100,000, we may be able to only lose twenty grand. Like the money we'd make off of leasing this would essentially be about eighty grand a year. And there's a idea is okay, let's clear out this forest that's associated with it. We'll put up the solar farm and we'll make some money. Now, it goes both ways in this, mostly because some people believe it's never going to cost what you say it's going to cost. In some ways, uh, we want to trust you and think this is it. And the other people that are out there are looking at it and supporting it. They're saying, what else are you going to do? Because we're just losing money. We got to do something. Here's the Fox 2 report. Cemetery taking center stage in Belleville as the city council there approves a plan to buy it and turn a large wooded area near it into a solar farm. Fox News' Laura Simon joining us to explain how that solar farm would fund maintenance of the cemetery. Good morning to you, Laura. Good morning to you, Margie. Right now, the state owns the Mount Hope Cemetery, but last night at a city council meeting, Belleville City Council members unanimously voted to ask the state to buy the cemetery. And as one councilman put it, it's going to be a lot of other things that has to happen before that could officially happen. All right, so they're saying... It's not that lucrative once you got their money <laughs> and they're not <laughs> yeah. going to be able to like collect from them when they're in the ground. So it's just going to be an expense at some point. Um, I don't know. Do you think that it's OK that they're going to take this plot of land and potentially use it for something else? Well, I mean, the cemetery, is it still active? Do they still do burials and, and new? Plots I don't know how there? you can. Like if there's yeah. no one there to do that, I, I guess if you pre-purchase the plots. But if let's say it's in default. Yeah, there's no one there to regulate who's buried there. Like, could you essentially just say, you know what? My loved one died. I'm just going to go put them in there because no one's going to stop me. Like, I'm just going to commandeer or squat <laughs> show up with on a, a plot. and yeah, dig a could hole. you could you squat <laughs> on a cemetery plot knowing that this is basically sitting there with no regulation? Could you do that? I, I don't I, think so. But I do. I do understand where <laughs> Belleville's coming from on this. I mean, like maintaining groundskeeping and all that stuff, trying to maintain that. Cause you do want to be respectful of those that have passed away and you want to make mm. sure that, you know, those that have buried loved ones there can easily visit them and stuff like that. It's going to cost a lot of money. That groundskeeping costs a lot of money. Now, if I, I think it might be a good idea if you can take off and, and section off and say, Hey, we're not doing any more burials in this land. And what we're going to do then is build this solar farm and this wooded area of this property if it were up to me, I would try to leave some sort of wooded area that acts as a divider. I don't know the layout of the land, but if you could leave wooded area that acts as a divider between the solar farm and the cemetery. So it's, yeah, it's on the same plot of land, but they're almost like two separate entities. And then you can use that those funds to maintain the cemetery. I think that's a good idea. Um, 
because it, it really sounds like Belleville just kind of had this dropped in their lap after those people went to jail that originally owned the cemetery. Mm. Are you superstitious at all? No, but I am a little stitious. Yeah. Would you like a job where you have to work on a plot of land that has a cemetery? So you know how some people say it's like, ooh, creepy at night, a cemetery, you know? Uh, so would you like to work where you have to walk over dead people every day? I don't. It wouldn't bother me. I'm going to be honest with you. I grew up. And uh, the property that I grew up on, that the property that butted up to it, uh, we lived out in the middle of the country, but it was an old church cemetery. Now, the church still owns the property, but the cemetery, the headstones for it were like from 1870 and before. Mm. So they're all worn down. And, and like when we would go out and walk through the woods, the woods were all grown up and you'd see these headstones laying on the ground and stuff like that. And I never really stopped and thought about it. It was always really fascinating to me to to look at these headstones, to look mm-hmm. at them and wonder who these like there was families there uh one of them was a dad a mom and then like a little kid who passed away and then i started doing some research on the time frame the kid was like 11 and there was some sort Mm -hmm. of disease outbreak that happened at that time and so Mm. i I don't know that that's what happened but i assume that maybe they got sick with some sort of disease and passed away as a young kid but like the history side of it was very fascinating to me and to wonder like so you've got you know, John Smith and and it born 1830, died 1870. And in the middle of that is just a dash. And it's like, yeah. what was this man's like? That was his life. That dash is his life. What was this man like? That dash. No, <laughs> not right. That dash. Book. That could be a TV show. That <laughs> dash. And then, you know, that's the in-between points. Uh, you're onto something there. I like that thought that could bring a lot of creativity and story writing. But I just imagine you, it's like a lunch break. You're eating a ham sandwich and you're like chewing on it. And you're like, wonder what happened to this kid? <laughs> just, <Yeah>. Huh? <laughs> There's a story there. You think that the workers would feel obligated to like hold their breath when they're driving into work like some of the other superstitions. <laughs> you're mowing the grass and you have to hold your breath while you're driving the lawnmower across the... Yeah, or they because I've volunteered in spots where you've had to mow the lawn at like uh, animal shelters and things mm-hmm. where you had to maintain the grounds. So what if they say part of the deal is you can use this land, but you're going to have to mow the lawn because we're sick of it. So they have to like go on different shifts to mow. Yeah. Um, or, you know, you don't want to look as disrespectful, too, because you have family members that maybe go visiting, particularly during certain times of the year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Memorial Days, things like that, that they go and visit loved ones, uh, birthdays, anniversaries. So you don't want to be in the background and like, you know, hey, it's great. They're over there partying or whatever. It's their company holiday. And they got bounce houses while you're there mourning. You know, you want to be real careful. Yeah. I don't think I'd set a headquarters up on the property. But like like I said, just the solar farm, the the. uh the the equipment necessary to make the the sun turn into electricity then put it you know send it off to where it needs to go yep uh speaking of moving in a way sean hannity said i'm out of here new york florida here i come let's talk about that coming up after the break i'm ryan recker filling in on 97.1 fm talk t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, 
You deserve an ice cold reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Said that, Brad. Oh, I'm just a girl. I know how many times I've said that. (laughs) (laughs) Annie Fry's back tomorrow, so that'll be fun. Uh, I'm Ryan Recker filling in for Annie one more time here today. If you want to find me online, Ryan Recker Radio. You see, Sean Hannity made the announcement. I'm out of here, New York. He's only uh, talked about doing it for, I don't know, the last couple of years. But now he's gone to Florida. Yeah, for Sean Hannity, actually. I don't blame him. Uh, I was talking to my brother the other day, and he had a friend tell him that... uh, Hey, there's lots of jobs down here. You can come stay at my place. You can live in my place, rent a room. Just move down here. It's great. And I told my brother, man, if I were in your situation, I'd be gone. I would definitely move down to Florida. But well, I'm not in here- my brother's situation. So <laughs> Here's uh, Sean Hannity. And welcome to Hannity and Happy New Year and Happy Election Year 2024. Now the exodus out of big states like New Jersey, California, Illinois, and New York. It continues. In fact, tonight we are now broadcasting from my new home, the great free state of Florida. Like so many Americans, I left New York for good and am now in the state with, let's see, warmer weather, law and order, better education, more freedom, uh, better quality of life. And guess what? No state income tax. Yes. If you're making millions of dollars, that no state income tax is a big deal. Much like in the city of St. Louis, you know, we're forced to work from home during the pandemic, but we're still paying all that city tax for services that we were not getting. And on top of that, you look around and you say, man, we're paying all this extra tax to have the privilege of working in a city where we can get shot at um, or my car broken and too wonderful. And you're like, oh, OK, where's all this money going? Where's this being spent? How is that going to help anything? And uh, Sean Hannity, I guess when you scale that up to the you know tens of millions of dollars that a guy like that makes a year, that makes a pretty big difference when you can eliminate a tax that you don't really see going uh, anywhere that could help benefit you as an individual because there's some uh, major issues in the city of New York and the state of New York as well. It's So good for Hannity. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned the sales tax. Somebody online, I, this is after Shohei Otani signed that huge contract in California for the Dodgers. They did the math on how much he would save in income taxes over the course of the contract uh, if he lived in Florida, which is an t- uh, income tax-free state. And it was something like $41 million. <laughs> so much. Well, who was the golfer? Was it Phil Mickelson that basically said, I'm leaving California because they're taking half of all of my income? I think it was Phil Mickelson, yeah. but he, it's no joke. And I know athletes sometimes take that into consideration on where they're going to sign because even though it's so strange, I think this is how it works though. He plays for a team in California mm-hmm. when they're away outside of the state of California, the income is taxed differently. Yeah. I believe it's taxed on where you earn the income. 
Right. So even though you're playing half your games at home or whatever it is, uh, could you imagine if he wrote the contract, I'm only going to start away games? No, but you want them <laughs> to, but you want him to actually, well, no, no, no. I guess you're charged based on per game, not per start. So mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. You're still going to get the same amount anyway. Start at home. Don't start at home. You want to be mostly at home. I'm guessing uh, you want the home fans to get the most bang for their buck. One of the great arguments I saw online talking about Otani essentially said that if owners can afford to pay a player $800 million or 700 million, whatever the total was, then why are we still subsidizing them building stadiums in major cities? If they can pay a player that much money, then what are we doing? Giving them subsidies for like these giant stadiums. And I would say, I think the future of large cities giving these giant subsidies to build stadiums are limited. I do believe the tide is changing on that philosophy, even though cities want to be as competitive as they can to bring in a lot of jobs, a lot of opportunity. They want to bring, you know, it's good to have a Mm -hmm. sporting team and other cities will be highly competitive to bring like NFL teams in. And I'm sure they'll give everything they can for it, but look at how it burns you in this, like, St. Louis is a great example. When you use it as an opportunity and build a, you know, I'll build this big new stadium and we'll buy the land here and we'll negotiate this and we'll do that. And they still move out and how much heartbreak that brings. And was it worth it in the end? It wasn't. So I think that type of mentality thought a lot of taxpayers don't want their money going to subsidizing billionaires building giant stadiums. Maybe that's a thing of the past. Yeah. I, yeah, I, you know, you had floated the idea that maybe, well, you said you were filling in in South Carolina for a while. Yeah. And you'd flo- mm-hmm. floated the idea that some of the people down there were saying that the team was tanking because I guess South pa- Carolina. The Carolina Panthers in the NFL. Yeah. Be, not necessarily tanking, but they were so bad. They said, you know what? They're just going to move to St. Louis anyway. So it doesn't matter. Wow. That's wild because. I, I sit here and I think, and I'm like, well, does St. Louis even have the appetite? Like, I know there's an appetite for football in St. Louis. The Battlehawks prove that, and and I love the Battlehawks. I don't know that I have the appetite for the NFL because I still have a bad taste in my mouth from what they did with the Rams, but would the city and the county and the local areas, would they have the appetite because the NFL is still very much about that game? You know, you build us a stadium, you give us these tax breaks, and then we'll move a team to you. Does the city of St. Louis, do they do that again without the guarantee knowing that the team could just up and leave again? And then they fought the NFL in that lawsuit. They won. You think the NFL likes St. Louis right now? I mean, they were, uh, they could have gone the distance. They decided not to. They basically said, we're just going to come out ahead on this one and not take this till the bitter end. But the potential of them having the NFL to expose all their dirty secrets during this was enough for them to give up large amounts of cash. Now, like I said, lived in St. Louis for a long time. Now I live in Detroit. I've been separated for over a year without living there. Have they spent any of that Rams money yet? Do they? Is there any update on that that you know, Brad? Uh, I don't know. I, they're starting to look at some things, but I couldn't tell you exactly what they're doing with it. I, yeah. I, I, I know there's been some consternation about what the city was going to do with it, but I don't remember exactly what it was. NFL did us dirty. The Rams and Stan Kroenke did us dirty. Um, I think that it's a hard sell because now what you're going to do is say, hey, forget about all the dirtiness that this league did to the city. 
Now we want you to patronize them again and start giving them money. Um, I think that there's going to be a lot of people that will reject that idea. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a long time for that healing to happen for the NFL's welcome here. And I think that a lot of times the bitterness around that is what helped propelled fans to show that we're going to support the Battle Hawks because, you know, all the things they told us we weren't, which are we're not good fans, we don't show up, we don't do this, we don't do that. We're going to prove them wrong. And they did. They rallied behind it. And as it turns out, uh, they were out there patronizing a very good team and organization, and it showed. And you know what? It shows that St. Louis can support this. If anything, I think Jane Duker mentioned this. She says, uh, she said more or less, maybe we should be trying to get like an NBA team as opposed to the NFL. Forget about that altogether. Go for a different league to show that this market is large enough to support another major team. And go for that as opposed to an NFL team. I, I, maybe something like that. But we got Major League uh, Soccer now, so maybe that sits in there in the place that the 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 vacancy that was there. Man, it was hard to get tickets for that this year. Yeah. So and, yeah, there's room. There's room in St. Louis for a major franchise. There is, and anybody that says that there isn't is lying to themselves. And the thing about the Rams thing that made me so upset was is how they would just lie about the fan base. People didn't show up for games because you didn't have a good team. But that's true for any market in the area. You're not a bad fan if you don't want to go watch your team get their teeth kicked in every Sunday. And there was teams in Los Angeles or uh, these California spots, they weren't showing up and still aren't showing up. Mm -hmm. I mean, because the teams are so bad. So you even have a larger draw of people and population-wise, a lot of people that would travel or... And they still weren't coming in. So it goes to show you that uh, St. Louis or not, you exploited this fan base. Um, You did the fan base dirty and they reacted appropriately for it. And as it turns out, they were wronged. And that is proven based on the multi-million dollar checks that were written to the city based on how you left the city. All right, we have one more hour of the Annie Fry Show coming up. And I got to say, I'm having a lot of fun time doing this. And if you want to go online to the YouTube chat, You can vote in the poll, do you find yourself removing your speech filter as you get older? Uh, Did you see that Scientology could face RICO charges? This is really fascinating development in the already controversial history of Scientology. And I haven't listened to the audio in this yet, but apparently was there a psychic doing a tarot tarot card reading? Yeah, Waters had a psychic on. This is so funny. I can't wait to hear this coming up after the break, too, on 97.1 FM Talk. Get more at 971talk.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.